Hi, I'm Nick. And I'm Rob. We're a writing team from New Jersey with a passion for film. An aggressive, all-consuming passion. Well, whenever we see a news article we find, like, insane, uh, immediately it's... How can we make a movie out of this? Every episode we read a crazy article from different sources and tumble down our own rabbit hole. Discussing cast, crew, and plot. And then we hash out a pitch for a feature film. So, join us as we BS about movies and ask the important question... What do you got? What do you got? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to What Do You Got? This is episode 27. Uh, This week, we have been having a little bit of trouble uh, recording separately from our homes. We've been seeing a little bit of lag in the response time between the two of us. So we're going to do our best to make sure that doesn't happen while we record. Uh, If it does, we're probably going to end up going back to... Uh, recording in person together since the studio can seat us both in separate rooms so you know it's safe Mm -hmm. um but this episode is brought to you by rob uh this is his article pitch so i'm gonna let him take it away right now oh thank you i I don't know what to say talk talk about the article Uh, (laughs) um so basically i had stumbled upon um this uh article on NPR, um, talking about, and I, I'd known there were different kind of janky ways that Western culture was smuggled into the Soviet Union during the Cold War, but um, this was a really interesting one. Um, vinyl, obviously, uh, being made out of oil press materials was uh, sometimes hard to get and almost impossible to get from non-official sources. In, in that time. So guys who were trying to bootleg rock and roll re- music in Russia were having an out, absolute tough time of it. People um, were having to like share records or go to each other's houses, which is not a good thing uh, when the KGB is watching a lot of you. Uh, and so they, they talk at length about you can go to <laughs> like thrift stores and flea markets in Russia now and find these old bootleg records and they're pressed on uh, a widely available material uh, that somehow worked with music pressing um, x-ray sheets <laughs> like imagine finding a copy of a Springsteen record and it's etched onto uh, a, an x-ray of your skull <laughs> it's creepy as hell dude you know what's you know what's crazy to me is that of all the technology in the world I still don't understand vinyls the most <laughs> They're the one thing I'm like, how, who decided that this was a, how could this be done? It's insane to me. <laughs> I, I mean, the way it works is that, you know, the grooves have little ups and downs in them. They're basically waveforms, like what you're seeing right now with what we're recording. Right. And the needle moves along them and vibrates and it goes along and it comes out a speaker uh, and kind of interprets that sound in the same way lasers in a, in a CD player go along and they read data. Yeah, it still baffles my mind. I'm never going to get it. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, they talk about this this guy who, who has become, like, obsessive in collecting these. And, uh, and they, they also have in the article a, a full-length uh, interview you can listen to. Uh, but um, it's, it's, it's weird because, you know, um, the sheets that they print x-rays on are very thin. So it's, it's very difficult. Sometimes these things were only one-sided and 
and they're so shallow. You got to be like careful with them. That's uh, that's but what the, I found. The big, uh, background. So, sorry, that's that's what I found really interesting is that because when I think of X-ray, uh, I guess you can call it paper, X-ray film, whatever you want to call it. Um, it, I, it's very flimsy, right? So it's interesting to me because vinyls are very stiff. So it was interesting to me that mm-hmm. that's what they chose to put it on. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah. Um, here's here's a little bit of background about what was going on. Uh, in 1946 or so, the Second World War is over, but a much colder war has begun. And in the Soviet Union, a lot of culture was subject to censor, whether it be art, paintings, architecture, film. In St. Petersburg, Leningrad, as it was then, a guy turned up and he had this war trophy with him that he'd taken back from the front. And it's what was called a recording lathe. It's like a gramophone in reverse, advice which you can use to write grooves of music onto plastic. Uh, people who came into his shop observed what he was doing, and as is the Russian way, they bootlegged his machine and made their own. It's a bit like dealing or buying drugs, actually. <laughs> These records were bought and sold on street corners in dark alleyways in the park. And I think that's uh, fantastic. And they, they talk about, like, people wouldn't know any better so they come be like hey can i have bill haley's rock around the clock and a guy would be like uh yeah sure and just give them whatever because they're not going to know you want that on a tuner or do you want that on a tibula or <laughs> <laughs> uh it, it really it's it's such a bizarre and particular detail it, it's sparked my imagination as to kind of the industriousness and, and rebellion and, and punk nature of of being teens and counterculture in a place that is not quite at a 1984 level of observing you, but it's kind of right there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's Uh, crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And they've got all kinds of incredible pictures of just these cuttings of, uh, of the records and all the different x-rays they were on. And you can listen to one, uh, and they talk about the process of, of, you know, just basically putting a circle on top of one of these things and cutting around it. And they're also like just jagged yeah. and janky. And I thought like, it's just cool that people were so desperate for rock and they, and they did this. It's, it's, it just shows like kind of the, the, the creativity of the human mind as to how far we'll go to kind of get what we want, you know, like, I wonder what other things they might have tried with this. Like before X-rays, I'm like, how can we get music to, you know, Soviet Russia? Like, how can we get it over there? It's like, all right, well, we got to smuggle it. All right, but if we're going to smuggle it, we can't just have, you know, vinyls sitting in a box. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I have to imagine somebody just had like the one copy they managed to get through on this long journey from, Western Europe into Eastern Europe and through the curtain. And they were just like, just copying the grooves and copying the grooves. It's, yeah. it sounds like so much work. Yeah. I would have given up and just listened to Pocus. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty insane. And and I know when you, when you sent this article to me, I think my response was literally just what the hell. And you, and you were just like, it's kind of ingenious. And I was like, it is. <laughs> I, I felt weirdly proud. Like, <laughs> Like it's so it's utterly rock and roll mm-hmm. that they did this, and I'm I'm just proud proud of these stupid fucking you know Russian what it kids. It reminded me a lot of uh, the movie. Uh, I just recently watched it, and I, I actually didn't even finish it. Um, but uh, uh, Pirate Radio, it reminded me a lot of that. Pirate Radio. You know, for a long time, uh, I had seen that movie, and I had no idea what people were talking about when they were talking about this movie called Pirate yeah. Radio, because I got it. 
um, from a friend who uh, worked at, I won't say what store, uh, but worked at a higher position at stores that sell a lot of DVDs and CDs and things like mm-hmm. that. And at the time, it still had the British name that it was released under uh, across the ocean, which was The Boat That Rocked. Huh, I didn't know that. And yeah, that's what I, I saw that movie as the name under. I'm like, people keep describing this movie Pirate Radio to me, and it sounds like they ripped off this movie I like <laughs> that I got a screener of like three years ago. <laughs> that's great. So it kind of fits our theme in a sense. It does. Uh, and with that in mind, I mean, this is basically that's the the, the whole article. is It's a quick interview between uh, the the journalist and the gentleman who, I guess, discovered the, the I can't call it a vinyl, but discovered the uh, the the record on uh, X-ray in an antique shop or something like that. Um, so it's a, it's a pretty quick, interesting read. It's on NPR. And uh, of course, as always, it'll be linked in the description below of our episode. Uh, so I'm going to jump right into it. And I want to know, Rob, what do you got? <laughs> well, I mean, of course, the first thing I did when I, when I looked at this and I said, okay, this is a, this is going to be a coming of age story. Uh, this is going to be a movie about teens um it's it's obviously going to be very of the period in the 60s and 70s feel uh so i'll I'll start with my title actually which i'm i'm kind of proud of um (laughs) you might get mad at me uh my title is no bones about it (laughs) see i knew i could get you around to start with the puns i knew we'd get there at some point it just took 27 episodes (laughs) I, I sat. I sat here and I tried. I tried not to do a pun. I just couldn't. I couldn't <laughs> do it. I, there was nothing else came. <laughs> um, and uh, for a director, I thought. Um, I thought Patty Jenkins would be cool. Um, both okay, for awesome. I think she's good with working with young people, and uh, the the '80s sections of you know 1984 uh, Wonder Woman I thought were were pretty on point. So I'm like, all right, she can do it. Um, as my, uh, two teens, uh, who are leading this, uh, I was going to do Finn Wolfhard and Joey King. Okay. So funny enough, we both cast uh, Joey King. Really? Yeah. That's crazy. Um, it's going to be interesting though, because my, we'll, we'll, we'll get to mine when, when you're done. Um, and so I, I wanted to do. Um, something that was kind of vibing along the lines of like uh, the Wonder Years or Stand By Me in those uh, feelings of evoking uh, what it was like to be young during a previous generation. So I, th- I, th- I thought that would be a good starting point for a movie about young people uh, in the Soviet Union, which is not really a way that we tend to look at that former country through that lens of its youth. We tend to look at it through a military perspective. Um, we tend to look at it through obviously the, the geopolitical landscape and we forget that there were just kind of people who thought blue jeans were cool (laughs) and wanted to listen to pop. Mm -hmm. Um, so I would probably start my film in this, uh, sort of oppressive landscape of, um, uh, what was then Leningrad as the, the article describes it. Um, and I know I'm a huge fan of this movie, The Death of Stalin. Mm-hmm. It's it's a great comedy. <clears throat> and one thing you learn from that is that 
uh, Stalin was obsessed with classical music and especially Russian composers. So I, I think starting the movie with this ever present, like all the music is just 40 years old hmm. at best mm-hmm. everywhere they go. And like the teens have to go to this forced sort of box social thing. And that's the, and they're playing like Tchaikovsky and it's just sort of very drab. Hmm. Um, and then I would probably have them just wander into a shop and discover uh, the the bootleg uh, pressing operation of of doing it on vinyl. So did you and, um did you only cast uh, Joey King and Finn Wolfhard, or do you have other people? Um, and that's that's really all I've got okay. for who who I have in mind as as ongoing characters in the film. Gotcha. I mean, obviously other people are going to pop in and out, but I I thought um it's 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 best with teen stuff to keep it pretty tight. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you start making them into teen tropes. Yeah, 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 definitely. <laughs> um, yeah, so I want them to uh, to discover that, you know, that's a thing that you can do. Um, if you do manage to get your hands on a, a rock and roll record is you can copy it in that fashion. Mm-hmm. But they don't have access to plastics because that's incredibly difficult to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, even in the 60s and 70s, mm-hmm. plastic is made of oil. And God knows they had a a tight clamp on that. Um, and so I was thinking that Joey King's parents work at, at the Leningrad hospital and uh, they're just all, always throwing away old x-rays. And there's kind of that lightning bolt moment um, of, of one of them kind of being in a circle. It's probably a skull. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest, it's going to be rock and roll. It's going to be a skull um, that they go, Oh, and they just absentmindedly try to press a record on it, and it kind of works. Hmm. And that was what sparks the impetus of the rest of the film, with them being really at the center of this new Russian counterculture in rock and roll. Um, obviously, I want them to have you know that thing where they get closer and closer to each other as teenagers. Um, I think Finn Wolfhard is probably going to get, how shall I put this, um, a little full of himself. <laughs> That he's he's the one who is you know delivering what is cool <laughs> to people his age now, and he probably wasn't cool before. Yeah. Um, and you know that kind of climaxing, um, and things getting a bit worse into the in this into the seventies, we start kind of right on that point um, where you know Khrushchev's not in power anymore, so the arts are not quite as 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 free and allowed as they were Mm -hmm. um and we're getting now into sort of the 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 nixon age of of our relations in the cold war which was just sort of a detente of stagnation between the both of us nothing really happened Mm -hmm. um you know because who gave a shit really but i i think ultimately the whole operation has to be kind of busted up uh, by the authorities, um, probably as the result of their own hubris uh, and, and sort of thinking that they're rock stars. Mm-hmm. And uh, probably ending with a sort of uh, coming back together of those two lead characters who might you know might have torpedoed the operation, but you can kind of see now that the, as more and more uh, the technology in the West is progressing for how you can listen to music. You know, you got eight track players now, not just vinyl. Mm-hmm. You got the early days of um, uh, CDs are just on the horizon, but there's uh, definitely 
uh, cassettes are coming, things like that. You know, it's a lot easier to, you know, mix a tape and give that to someone as kind of a thing. Yeah. And uh, I wanted to end on that sort of note of, you know, one of them making a tape for each like other. The technology is just ever changing. Yeah. So like this, this sort of smuggling and bootlegging operation may have failed, but just that notion that you really cannot in the long term stop rock and roll mm-hmm. from, you know, intruding on tier society because <laughs> it's what people want. Awesome. So yeah, I just want to do a nice little team movie. <laughs> Um, so on that note, that's kind of the broad strokes of mine. I didn't go super in depth with it because uh, I wanted us to try and hash out something a little more concrete together. Um, Nick, what do you got? Okay, so this is going to be the first episode where we could not have been further apart in our pitches. Really? Now, the reason for that is because I feel like over the last couple episodes, I've gotten into kind of a relaxed groove of taking the article word for word and making a movie based on it, which, Hey, that's what our podcast is. But what I wanted to do was I wanted to really loosely use this as a stepping point for a film that I can come up with. So what I did with this article was I used it as kind of the inciting creativity to a film that I want to make. Um, okay. So the film that I made is a dystopian sci-fi, and the premise of it, uh, it is in the vein of Blade Runner and Looper um, and movies Holy like that. Holy shit. So this is going to be really interesting, um, because my premise is that instead of music being ex- uh, etched into x-rays, um, digital coding and digital currency, since crypto is such a huge thing right now, digital currency is etched into human bone because that's the best way that people have found to not have it be hacked. It is literally etched into the bone of a human being. So my premise is a little too close to Looper for my liking, but I want to use it as a, you know, a jumping off point. Um, the idea is that a man, uh, there's there's a group of people who were basically escorts, not sexual escorts. They are actual escorts that escort people uh, who have this digital coding etched into their bone to these places, basically like, like transferring money from a bank to a bank. Hmm. They are used to transfer these people to a bank. Um, so my main character is escorting a younger woman, played by Joey King, who has a an absolute fortune uh, of digital currency etched into her bone structure. And she gets away from him in dystopian Russia in the future. I'm I'm thinking like 40, 50 years into the future. Um, And it's about him trying to chase her down. So my director of choice is for the first time I've ever done uh, two directors uh, cause I don't think we've ever used the cone. I'm not using the Cone brothers, but I don't think we've ever used the Cone brothers. So that would be two. <laughs> no, we just talk about the Cone brothers, a lot. <laughs> which one day we'll have to. Um, but I chose the Spearig brothers, um, for, for a couple of reasons. One being they are insane at sci-fi. Um, if you haven't seen Daybreakers, it's one of the best vampire movies out there. And if you haven't seen predestination, it will absolutely blow your mind. 
Jaybreakers I've seen. I, I haven't seen the other Predestination, one. Predestination, like, seriously, watch it tonight. It is it is mind-blowingly good, and 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 it, it, it plays mental Olympics on you, and, and you're jumping through hoops, and it's insane. Um, so the Spirit Brothers are my directors of choice. My cast is one of mine and yours favorite character actors who doesn't get enough work, Garrett Dillahunt. Um, Garrett. He plays my escort character. Joey King plays the young girl who he is trying to escort to this Russian bank. The overseer of this group of escorts um, is uh, Laura Dern. And then I also have another escort who's tr not trying to steal the, uh, um, steal the, uh, I don't know, I, I, I don't want to say person, but she is a person, but I, I want to say like the package, let's call her a package. Who, he's not trying to mm -hmm. steal the package from Garrett Dillahunt, um, because that would basically be Garrett Dillahunt's character in Looper. Um, he is sort of trying to help him track her down to, to get her to where they need to go, and that character is played by uh, Shuatel Ujiafor. Um, Chewy. So those are my four main characters. Uh, the I didn't come up with any titles I really love. Uh, the titles I came up with were High Fracture, Currency, and Forfeit. And I was thinking about using Escort in there somewhere. Um, but that's, mm. that's the completely opposite pitch that I have, which is this dystopian yeah, sci-fi. Okay, so that's what we're doing, <laughs> first of all. So Nobody gives a shit about my coming of age teen uh, movie. Uh, ex exploring Russian youth. No one cares. Um, so first of all, I like the idea of using uh, the, the notion of, of turning it on its head and using uh, bone or images of bone um, in a different fashion to that. So I think first of all we got to expand it beyond currency. Yeah, yeah. I mean the other um, the other things I was thinking of was like digital information, you know, like um, oh, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, and it's it's definitely I'm thinking technology wise, you uh, you need like a full body X ray mm -hmm. uh, of someone to get a complete readout of this data, uh, and we can even use that to have like the weird technician character be like, you know, back in the day, people used to press music onto x -ray. yeah uh and have that guy just sort of talk about what this article Shut up, was todd <laughs> yeah um but you need a, a full body x-ray yeah. to get the full picture of the data because otherwise you're not having all the grooves and everything that have been written into this skeletal structure mm -hmm. uh, otherwise you could just like have somebody walk through a thing and it's like ah gotcha yeah. i stole the data yeah. And the idea I had uh, around that was that the the actual etching into the bone is excruciatingly painful. So while it's already happened to Joey King, uh, I'm, I'm going to say something along the lines of like the way they get the information via x-ray is like maybe something along that is painful or she just doesn't want to do it. My, my question is, how do we get it? What's the premise of her wanting to run away? Does she get killed after this? Is that why she's running away? What's the, what's the reasoning for her? So this is definitely like I'm thinking a very oligarchical type of world uh we can use it to make criticisms of both what american capitalism is and was and what the soviet system was and what modern russia is uh intensely oligarchical mm -hmm. of course um so i'm thinking this this system of, of uh etching data into skeletal structures to be x-rayed later 
um, is a way that the elite use to, yes, transfer money mm -hmm. with wire codes and stuff like that um, to do personal data. Um, I think it's probably also fashionable to be able to use human beings for this purpose uh, and to have it be this very secure system. Um, the way we can tie it back around to the core concept of what we were originally reading in the article um, is perhaps culture is very controlled in this world, mm -hmm. I think. Mm -hmm. uh, what people are consuming, ready-made, packaged pop music and things like that that all thematically support um, the people who are in charge. Uh, and perhaps secretly underneath a standard data transfer or money transfer on Joey King's structure, uh, there is thousands of hours of um, music from the 20th century. Okay, I like that. Yeah, okay, so that's that's the that's the thing that I think would work best because we need it to be like, if this is a kind of a common practice among people in this time, why is she so important? She's got something else. And maybe there is some yeah. type of like, uh, it, kind of in terms of like Book of Eli, like that that sort of culture has been lost and this is the only yeah. way to get it back. I, I, I like that. And, and Garrett Dillahunt probably doesn't know exactly what right. it is that's going on. Yeah. He just yeah. knows he has a charge that he was supposed to get from A to B. And people seem weirdly interested in her for what is probably, so I think, you know, considering people he works for a small amount of money. Yeah. You know? And I think the, the way that we make that really interesting is that maybe Garrett Dillahunt's character doesn't know, but Shuatel's character does. Right. And he... Do you think do you think antagonistically he would be looking for that looking for uh, unapproved music, shall we say, to be not released, or does he want control of it? I think he wants control of it. I think he's driven by money. I I like that. Like you know, the, there's always the notion when people are in a revolution of you know. <laughs> There's, there's always the very idealistic guy who wants to build something new and pure uh, with with the revolution, and there's always the guy who just wants to replace the people in charge. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's that's probably our conflict as it ultimately comes between Garrett Dillahunt and Chiwetel Ejiofor. Yeah, and and again, the biggest the biggest concern we're gonna have with this is making sure that this isn't just a looper ripoff. So. You know, the kind of the idea of how in Looper, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character loses his older self as Bruce Willis um, and he finds the kid and they've got to like the, the, the plan is to kill the kid. But then he decides that he wants to save the kid. So I want to make sure we don't just go that route where it's like, oh, my God, they have to like kill or kidnap her again and stuff. And he decides that he doesn't want to do that anymore because, you know, he found morals or something like that. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I'm, try, I'm, I'm trying to think of the ways that we can use music creatively in that. And I think possibly at some point, maybe he is trying to figure out why it is so difficult for him to just finish this, this job. And she keeps running off and people keep coming after her. And so he does a partial scan and maybe he hears a song. Okay. Like, yeah. And it's, and it's literally like music that people haven't heard in like 50 years. Yeah, because everything in this culture is so tightly controlled and and specifically packaged by the corporate and, and government yeah. 
uh, influences to almost in that black mirror sense to reinforce what the status quo mm -hmm. is and mm -hmm. what stagnation is and stuff that is very not challenging and stuff that doesn't provoke you into new ideas. Yeah. It reminds me of a, a, a book within a book. I think it's like an Ayn Rand thing that they hire a philosopher to write a book called why do you think you think mm. to get people to stop being very like introspective yeah. and thoughtful yeah, yeah, about yeah, yeah. the world. <laughs> yeah. So they're basically terrible book, the, but good concept. <laughs> the, the culture and the, the higher ups or the executives of whatever, maybe it's a branch of government or maybe it's just, you know, an under underground criminal uh, movement. Um, they are trying to stifle all of this type of culture and, and they want to be able to control everything. And, and when he first hears it, um, that's when he's kind of like, holy shit, this is something much bigger than just transferring a package of, of money. Yeah. No. And I think the, the lesson of it ultimately coming into being is not like, it's not that we're going to use the music of the past to, you know, spark a revolution right. and, and uh, change the world because that's the music of a different time. It's that we're, we just need to introduce the concept to people that there is something different yeah. and that there are different avenues to explore. So it's not that we're, it's not we're trying to say that the Beatles are going to save this new world. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's that we're trying to say that this is we have to more, at least get people thinking. Left. Yeah, there's more to this world. That's all. That's yeah. the important notion. Um, question. Yeah, we don't want to go overly nostalgic. <laughs> yeah. Do we? Does Joey King's character know that she has this in her, or does she not know at all what's been etched into her? I, I think she, I think she knows okay um and I think probably you said Laura Dern was the one you wanted to be like the Overseer. the handler of yeah. these guys who escort the transfer yep. yeah she's basically I, I think she yeah. knows mm -hmm. okay uh, she knows for sure I think because she's the one arranging this uh, this whole transfer uh, disruptance kind of thing what if we do something where I'm trying to think of the math of it. Um, what if we do something where Joey King and I don't know if this is too cliche or if it doesn't matter, but if Joey King ends up being like Laura Dern's niece or daughter or something like that, and she's willing to uh, forgo her family for these, for these, for this control. Mm. It's, it's, it's interesting. Um, I don't know if there needs to be a familial relationship to make what's happening important. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think of a way to incorporate that into a plot. Because mm. the only thing I can think of there is like, it, it kind of just shows a little bit more of how this group of, I don't know what we want to call them, you know, whatever this, this governmental group or whatever they are, uh, is really not about protection or anything like that. It's just about subduing information and it comes at the expense of literally anything in their way. Yeah, I, it, it definitely works thematically. Um, I think giving nuance to characters, if Laura Jern might be the one who was arranging this transfer in the first place secretly, the notion that she is related to Joey King and is willing to put her through a lot of pain and sacrifice her for this mm -hmm. is a decent sort of, you know, 
development of that character at least because the thing i like about that is that it's not just um you know the 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 climactic scene of like how can we do this she's just a girl and laura dern's character is like it doesn't matter if she's just a girl like this needs to be this needs to be hidden and removed and blah 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 and um that's that 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 gives her that extra edge of well she's actually family and she still doesn't care on top of that I just came up with an idea. Um, the reason that she is running away is because she knows that since she does have this music and stuff etched into her, that they are go that their goal is to wipe her out. Mm-hmm. Their goal is to kill her because they don't want this getting into the wrong hands. So who whose goal is to kill her ultimately? Like they so maybe they discover that she has the music etched into her at some point later. Um so it's not about transferring anymore, it's about getting her out of the picture. Okay, okay, that's good. Um so now we have different people essentially vying for some element of control. <coughs> Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Control in this. I think Garrett, for the longest time in the movie, just just wants to finish his job. Yeah, <laughs> Simply yeah, yeah. Is frustrated at every turn. Um, well, following that, I guess Laura Dern is is an agent of the status quo and decides that she now needs to be eliminated. Mm-hmm. Joey King, and then Chiwetel wants control of this for his own purposes. Which you know what that even makes it more interesting if she's her daughter or niece or whatever. Let's say niece, I don't know. Um cuz Laura Dern's in her 60s, Joey King's in her 20s. It, it would work. No no problem. Um Laura's in her 50s. She's I thought she was in her 60s. Um nope. But yeah, so that'll definitely work then. Um but that makes it more interesting because the idea is that from the get-go it's we need to get her to the bank because she has currency or whatever uh that we need to be transferred and then down the road they discover that there's much more inside of her than just currency and now laura dern's character has to make the decision that fuck we can't have this get out and i know this is my niece but we can't let her see the light of day yeah yeah i like it that's very good yeah so it changed because because if it's if it's not that, then it would just, if she's not her niece or not family or whatever, then it would just become the idea of, oh, okay, we need to kill her because she's, we can't let this get, get out. Yeah. So then I guess, what is the end goal? Like where, where are we trying to go with Joey King to get this released? Like, where's, where's the end game for that? That's Yeah. Cause my question there would be, do we end it in the terms of he helps her get away and she goes on the lamb and is never heard from again. Or do we end it in terms of uh, he helps her get away and they release the information to the public somehow uh, and kind of, you know, go, go about this, the sort of like uh, anonymous way, anonymous meaning the actual like hacker group, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah. I think that's, that's probably a good idea is if there are, is a digital system that is tightly controlled. Um, oh, well, then we can tie it right back around again. If, if, if the oligarchs are very much in control of the digital realm, um, the, the goal there is, to dis- is now to distribute physical music to people. For, uh, the goal of, of who? Of what we're doing with the, with the secretly encoded 
culture on Joey King. So I'm, I'm sorry. I, I mean, you mean the goal of Garrett Dillahunt and Joey King's characters? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Okay, I, okay. Yeah, um, I'm saying that we've we've looped back around to uh, if if the digital networks are so tightly controlled to actually distributing physical music to people. Yeah. And putting that out there. Yeah, that's great because that also, like, from a futuristic sci-fi standpoint, bringing it back to a physical thing is, like, they, they can't get to this other than physically destroying it as opposed to, like, if it's over the airwaves or something, they can control where it goes and stuff like that. So they just take it to the streets. Yeah. It's in, in a format that's that's very sort of easily uh, replicatable, probably more so than the vinyl of the original story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, like, sort of the return of tape or, or, or compact disc or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think if we can do it something that's not just music. Like, obviously music, but some sort of more information about the past. Like, obviously we can't do, like, movies. We can't do visual. But yeah. even if we do something something uh, meta like podcasting or news radio or something like that. I, I like the idea, like, we're, we're always hearing about, like, certain you know, like history textbooks in certain states that, you know, speak in terms that are a little too favorable about like the Confederacy or things that like gloss over important parts of history right. um, in favor of telling a narrative that's more like Western or European centric. So I guess we could have uh, the people who are in charge of this having presented a very sanitized vision of, of history and previous culture, mm. only things that sort of work for them, elements of classical music classical art, things like that, um, stuff that can be very tightly controlled. And what Joey King has impressed upon her uh, information-wise is essentially the entirety of culture and history. Mm -hmm. um, unvarnished um, and in the, in the correct context uh, and all, all of the, the pieces of art and music that, that there were and have not been discussed or have been swept under yeah. the rug because they are challenging the written word and things like that yeah from like shakespeare so, you know, a little bit of a riff on like a fahrenheit 451 yeah yeah definitely so let's let's break this down into a three-act structure um so the first act we have garrett dillahunt being tasked with uh charging joey king's character to this russian bank she keeps kind of getting away um at different times, uh, you know, kind of just getting away from him. Never long enough where it's like he can't find her, you know, a couple minutes or something. There's a chase or whatever. Um, and he's starting to wonder why she's actually trying to run away. Because to him, it's just, we just need to transfer you so that they can get their currency. That's it. Then you can go home. Like, that's that's yeah. that's it. We, we do this. Yeah, I mean, this is I do this every week, man. This is this is. Yeah. Why, why are you <laughs> making it so difficult? <laughs> yeah. Um, so then at the beginning of act two or so, that's where we discover that she has this extra in this, this, the terabytes of extra information of, of oh, yeah. music and, and, uh, maybe even, you know, radio or something like that. And, and written word throughout history. And at this point, mm -hmm. Laura Dern Maybe Laura Dern now tasks uh, Shuatel to come after them because she she has now figured out that Garrett Dillahunt's character is not going to follow the rules um, because of what he's learned. 
I like that. I, I, I think a good, like, we can figure out specifically what the inciting incident for Garrett Dillahunt changing his plan in this is. And I think maybe, like we were talking about, he, he does a partial scan of her. And I'm thinking three things. One, he sees a piece of artwork that is so completely out of the norm for him. Like, everything is very, like... Uh, all the paintings are Renaissance paintings. All the paintings like look kind of the same yeah. ultimately. And they're just paintings of pictures of people and houses and flowers mm-hmm. and shit, like very standardish art. Um, I'm thinking he sees something like Jean-Michel Basquiat or like counterculture art from the nineties. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably hears a song like Nazi punks fuck off. <laughs> and then uh, a piece of history that he didn't know about. Um, well, Watchmen already did the, the Tulsa massacre. Yeah. 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 But, uh, yeah. Yeah. But that, you know, it, it could be something that, that exists in our actual reality, or it could be something that happened, you know, in their past quote unquote, cause they're in the yeah. future. So 20 years from now or something, you know, something that, something that hasn't happened yeah. yet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I like that a lot. Um, and then, so act two is more of the kind of him helping her get away um, but maybe he's still chasing her because he maybe he finds out when she's not with him. So he's still actually going after her as opposed to just bodyguarding. I like her. it. Yeah. Um, and then we just got to bring in act three to some type of climactic battle or uh, between him, Laura Dern and Shuatel or something like that. Um, I think the top of act three, they arrive somewhere. Um, that's not under as tight surveillance, maybe out a little outside of the city mm-hmm. or, you know, if we're doing this in Russia, like they went up very deep in fucking Siberia Yeah, and it's, it's difficult for control to be exercised out there. And they find people who have been building and setting up for the production of books, uh, physical music and new printings of art. Mm-hmm. And they're just waiting for the data. Um, and now we are, you know, coming to the climax of obviously a confrontation that's going to happen right in and around that place. Yeah. So I would say it's probably maybe they have a small group of, of soldiers, not soldiers, but you know, a, a small group of people that are after them and we can do the sort of what you would expect from a climactic sci-fi. You know, it's a, it's a showdown, um, in an, uh, maybe like a, uh, an old parking lot or a parking garage or something like that. But it's just the two of them against like 20 different people and they have to find a way to get out of it. Uh, I, I like it. And the, the soldiers that they're fighting are so used to, I'm thinking we are for dystopia, surprisingly technically advanced. Yeah. Like everything is done digitally yeah. and with like waving of the hands and the auto cars and the flying cars and stuff. And they use, like what's in this parking garage against them. Oh, man. Like just putting a car that's, neutral and rolling it down. That's such the a good visual. That's such a good visual because you just, you see all these different things like coming together uh, and like all these cars being turned on and flipped and all that stuff. And they're, they're yeah, not a really, car alarm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They have no concept of what a car alarm is. Yeah. And uh, it's, they're using these as like kind of a strategy in this fight. And and that's why I think now we're coming to why they're so desperate to print out uh, physically all this old culture mm-hmm. is the, the oppression of this society is not jackbooted soldiers everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's informational control. 
And because everything is completely digital and high tech, it can be tightly controlled Mm -hmm. because everything is just accessed through a network. Yeah. And they have absolutely no means uh, as a informationally restrictive society of controlling the spread of physical items. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they're just not used to it. They don't have any way to control that aspect because everything is online. And they're so fucking smug about it. Like, you know, like we learned a long time ago that, you know, the more useful to us wasn't a gun. It was a zero and a one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, now I want to put the like, I want to use the term binary in like the title somehow. <clears throat> uh, I mean, I mean, the, the title I was going to propose because you said something about fracture. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking about the word compound. Like compound fracture or just the word compound? Yeah, just the word compound. I like it. I'm good with that because I think that works. <laughs> it also has two meanings: compound and compound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, awesome. I mean, I'm trying to think if there's anything else we really need to because this surprisingly this came together as a sci-fi pretty quickly. I mean, that was a really great idea that you came to the table with. I never would have thought of making a futuristic sci-fi story myself out of a story about kids pressing vinyl records onto x-rays in the 60s and 70s yeah yeah thank you um and you know that's again that's the reason like i want to start i want to be able to spice up our episodes i don't want to just go for because i I feel like i've fallen into that rut over the like i said earlier i've fallen into that rut over the last couple episodes of just like all right well this one's already written so let's just make a movie you know so (laughs) i will i will take that as a friendly challenge but (laughs) let's do it i will come back to the table next week with something yeah really fucking out there if you thought tilt a war was out there i'm gonna get dude it's still one of your best pitches absolutely i love that freaking thing um it, it just gave me joy yeah it's, the, the idea just sort of like plopped into my brain it's so terrible like, oh the, the muse was good today <laughs> yeah um and then there's there have been times where we where we just blend perfectly together uh with our ideas like in nuked or even the watcher um and 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 I, I yeah I want to I want to challenge us to go further with our articles uh, by using the term loosely based on you know let's let's branch out there for yeah. for the future of the, no pun intended to this sci-fi episode um, <laughs> challenge accepted my brother <laughs> um, I feel like this might have been a little bit of a shorter one but I think that's okay because this one came together pretty quickly we're at forty seven minutes right now yeah so I think that's pretty good. For the pitch because we did get the three acts we have our characters um we're good with uh i'm guessing we're good with this cast and my and the spirit brothers and stuff and we'll go with the title compound uh yeah because last episode we forgot to actually yeah the title. I, I don't really have enough information to challenge on the spirit brothers unfortunately i'm gonna recommend that you do watch predestination rather sooner rather than later um all right i'll watch know. i'll watch tomorrow tonight is wrestling <laughs> <laughs> that's fine um, the Spirit Brothers have done a couple different movies, uh, and, a, and a, most of their, I would say, most of their successes have been sci-fi. Um, but Predestination and Daybreakers are the two that I know. Uh, they also did Winchester, the Helen Mirren horror movie about the Mary Winchester house. Oh, um, which God, that's such a good story. Yeah. I'm annoyed they got to it before us. It was yeah, it's a fantastic story. The movie was okay. It's it's a pretty fun horror movie. It's a little bit boilerplate. Um, but I'm telling you, man, Predestination is it's something it's something like you've never seen before. And and Ethan Hawke. You got me thinking it's gonna be like primer. 
honestly, you're not too far off. Um, Ethan, Ethan Hawke and Sarah Snook are, are fantastic in it together. Um, yeah, definitely. For anyone listening to this, if you like sci-fi, if you like kind of psychological thrillers, uh, highly recommend Predestination. Um, I mean, you had me at Ethan Hawke. So. <laughs> I love that man. He's fantastic. Um, other than that, I think we have this episode. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. This one will be, we are recording this on February 24th, Wednesday. This will be launched tomorrow on February 25th. Um follow us like us subscribe all that stuff we do have an important announcement coming up that we're not ready to fully make yet uh but we will be starting an instagram uh with some fun artwork uh and that's that's about the best you're going to get from us right now we are uh we're working with uh, a good friend of ours um an old friend who is incredibly creative and we're very very excited to see what happens when we just let him run with the ball. Yeah. So, so look out for that soon. I would say in the next couple of weeks, maybe um, we'll start up an Instagram account to, to be able to share some of this stuff for you. Uh, other than that, this has been what do you got and like subscribe, share review, all that, all that tasty delectable stuff that we have. Uh, I don't know if you have anything else, Rob. No, just be sure to do all that. It really helps us out. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you hit that subscribe button. <laughs> Smash that subscribe button. <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us. This was episode 27. This is our, our, our fir- I think this is our first sci-fi pitch. Is that correct? Um, It's definitely our, our, our first strictly this kind of, of science fiction. Yeah. yeah let, me, let me rephrase that. I think this is our first futuristic sci-fi pitch. Yes, yes, this yes. is the first future film we've put into uh, into the woodwork. Um, again, for anyone who has questions about, you know, these pitches and everything, we don't care if people take them. Please go ahead, make a movie out of this if you want. If you have the time, come up with a script. We, we've got one movie that, like, it's ours. Yeah. And you're not going to hear about that until we finish yes. it. <laughs> yeah, we have. That one's been on the back burner for, like, five years. So we're 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 going to actually sit down soon and, and work out the kinks in that, uh, that model. Um, but, yeah, always come to us with, uh, with awesome articles you find. Pitches yourself. If you listen to this episode and you have a cool pitch around this article or any of the previous, tweet us. Uh, send us an email. Uh, anything like that, because we'd love to hear other people's pitches and what you guys can bring to the table. Uh, We've done two uh, fan pitches uh, since we started this podcast. We're looking to do more. So if you do have any, please send them our way. Uh, That's about it. So as always, I've been Rob. I've been Nick. And that's what we got. What Do You Got is recorded live at the Cape Swoosh Studios in Bloomfield, New Jersey. Our theme song was written and performed by Trevor Campbell. Additional music is provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. And our wonderful logo was designed by Gabby Weiss. You can find her on Twitter at, at Gabby Weiss. 